everyone, welcome back to QSR Nation, your weekly source of food service marketing and business strategies for success. Here are your hosts, Josh, Beth, Tony, and Grant from the PFS Brands National Headquarters in Holt Summit, Missouri. Hey everybody, welcome back to QSR Nation. As always, we have Josh, Beth, and Tony here today. Grant is out. He'll be back next week or the week after. Playing Um, golf, by the way. Business trip. Quote, business trip. (laughs) As always, we're brought to you you here from Holston, Missouri, from the PFS Brands National Headquarters to talk about food service marketing and business strategy for success. Uh, Today, we're very honored to have Frank Beard here. Um, Frank, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, just to get started, you just really want to give us your background and how you got to be where you are now? So, I obviously work at GasBuddy. Uh, GasBuddy is the dominant mobile app in the fuel and convenience retailing space. We have about 12 million active monthly users who use our app, and um, I'm our analyst and evangelist for convenience stores, which I like to say means we have a sense of humor, but uh, <laughs> realistically, there's a lot of cool things to talk about in this industry. Uh, for example, we put out lists of things such as the top-rated brands for restrooms in every state. And so I'll go and speak to the media about convenience store restrooms, uh, why they're training cleaner, why they're seeing all these nice restrooms, um, and just explain those sorts of things. But I also work on our product marketing side because we do a lot of work with retailers, and so I get a chance to be on that side of things too. And But Gas, Gas Buddy's an exciting company. It's been a lot of fun so far. Well, it's such a useful app. Like, no matter what you do, whenever you do have that, and especially for people who are on road trips or any family vacations, there's so much great information on there that can not just only help one person, but your entire family as a whole. Um, So we're excited that, you know, that we have someone there. There's a connection now, and um, that's just incredible, all the work that you guys do, especially with some of the things I know we'll talk about later, um, like with the 30 days of gas station food experiment, um, just getting all the information that you had talked about in there. So we're super excited to have you on board here. Oh, yeah, yeah, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, this is a topic that I'm actually really excited to talk about. I, um, in addition to the work at Gas Buddy that I do, I also do a lot of speaking, uh, writing, consulting, and other work in the industry, which is kind of why they brought me on in the first place. And it's, it's been kind of neat that all of it really started with a crazy diet experiment where I spent a month eating gas station food to prove a point. <laughs> it's really funny how those things work out. Exactly. <laughs> so um, obviously you were telling us about a little bit about you, but what does being an industry advocate really mean to you? Well, it's really about telling a story. Um, I like to say that this is the most misunderstood $650 billion industry in the country. Um, you ask your average person about fuel and convenience, and they know surprisingly little. Uh, they tend to think that the major fuel brand down the road is owned, or the station with the major fuel brand down the road is owned by one of the major fuel brands. They don't understand the nuances of the industry or really much about it at all. And I mean, I understand why that is, but there's a lot of good stories to tell. Um, there's a lot of good work done in the in- in industry. There's a lot of great operators who, um, rather than you know being not in my backyard, you actually would want them in your backyard. So it's this gives me a chance to really tell the story of the industry and what's going on and help people understand how it's evolved from maybe what they remember 10 or 15 years ago. Um, you know, and for example, uh, what Fuel and Convenience is doing around fresh and better for you and healthier food is astonishing. Um, very few people know that the first retail trade association to partner with the Partnership for Healthy America is actually NACS. 
Um, So it's kind of fun when you tell people this because then they scratch their heads wondering, wait, why is the fuel and convenience industry partnering with a healthy living organization? And so that's, I mean, by and large, what an industry advocate does is really just tell that story and help people understand what's going on. Well, and I'm sure that you know, over the years you've probably seen a lot of major changes and, and different things that have really you know, reshaped and redefined the industry. What, what are some of the things that really stand to you most over the last you know, the decade or two that you think have been really unique or industry-changing pieces, like you mentioned, the partnership um, you know, for a healthier uh, food option? Yeah, it's really a couple of things, um, primarily based around food service. You know, I, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. That's where I'm at still. Um, you know, I've come back to Des Moines after being away, but uh, I grew up around, for example, Casey's General Store. So <clears throat> I'm not one of those people who ever had an issue eating at a convenience store. I mean, if you grew up around Casey's, you just know that that's kind of where you go for pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it's... I joke it's the eighth wonder of the world, the Casey's Breakfast Pizza. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, man. We got one here. Right? Yeah. That's the, Casey's Breakfast Pizza, and just shameless plug because I love eating that. It's just I, what my favorite thing about Casey's Breakfast Pizza is is when Beth was in the office with me, and she was like, no, I'm not going to have carbs, and I would bring in a piece of that bacon-laden breakfast pizza with that golden buttery, and I would just eat it and just kind of wave the aroma her way. Oh, <laughs> Such good memories. It was so. a rough time. It was a really now, rough see, time. I'm, now, see, I'm a fan of the sausage breakfast pizza, so that's the one I really like. In fact, there was a time in my life when I probably ate a little too much of it, um, <laughs> if there is such a thing. But, no, I recently had uh, some colleagues from Canada that were down in the Des Moines area to visit a retailer, and first thing I told them is I said, hey, while you're here, make sure you go get a slice of Casey's breakfast pizza. I mean, I'm happy to get it if you're not going to. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, growing up around that, you just don't have any issue eating at a convenience store. And really, I don't think it's an issue for millennials in general. I'm 33 years old. I'm on the upper end of the millennial spectrum. As much as I don't like that term, it's kind of used as a term of derision rather than description sometimes. Yeah. Um, But, you know, my age group, and especially the one below us, Gen Z, we don't have any issues eating at a convenience store. We don't remember them being service stations where you get your oil changed. Um, But at the same time, what's happened in food service has been absolutely astonishing, because I remember, other than Casey's, with other stores, maybe getting some snacks, maybe getting uh, something real basic, like, um, you know, maybe a breadstick stuffed with pizza or cheese or something like that, it'd be on a roller grill, but what retailers have done with food service here in the past 10 years is really astonishing. They're, they're pushing full speed ahead and giving QSRs a run for their money when it comes to uh, you know, just grab-and-go food service. Um, so that's been interesting to watch. But the other thing is what's happened with fresh and healthier food. Um, even when I did my experiment, I still kind of bought into that idea that sea stores are not the best place to get fresh, healthy, or anything better for you. And to be fair, there are some stores that still are not. But even at those stores, you can still piece something together that's pretty decent. But um, what really surprised me were just what the best-in-class operators are doing. Uh, companies like uh, Quick Trip with a K, uh, even even Quick Trip with a Q. I say because we have a lot of Quick Trips yeah. in our industry. Yeah. Uh, but both of them have done actually a really great job with that. Um, Sheets, other best-in-class operators. There's there's so many great places where you can get a healthy meal on the go and. Um, it's been interesting to see how that's changed in the last couple of years. Definitely, for sure. Now, uh, Frank, you've alluded to the 30-day experiment a couple times now. Do you want to kind of go more in depth and explain that a little better? Yeah, so 
I'll make a long story as, as concise as I can with this one. Um, I essentially found myself in a position some years ago where, you know, I didn't really like what I was doing for my job at the time. And I didn't see a clear path out of that. Sometimes, you know, the transition from what you're doing into something completely new is not the easiest thing. And so I had a very active um, number of things that I was doing on the side to try to build up an audience that I was going to uh, launch something on top of. Um, and one of the ways that I was getting a following was by, um, you know, putting out some writing and some other things around fitness and healthy living and, and what have you. And I was traveling down to Kansas City uh, that morning because they had a better flight than the Des Moines airport. And so I figured I'd drive for three and a half hours to go get a better flight and save some time to where I was going. And I had this idea. I was like, I kept hearing this, this message that eating on the go is part is part of the proverbial problem and the thing is i used to be really overweight um at my peak i reached well over 240 pounds i say well over because you hit a point where you, you don't get on the scale anymore because you don't want to see what it says <laughs> but i know that i was at least that heavy which for someone my height is not you know that's pretty big um for someone my size and i you know but having gone through that weight loss experiment and dropped over 80 pounds um you you just become really tuned into the whole discussion around healthy living. And I kept hearing that message that eating on the go is a problem. The thing was, the job at the time that I had, I was on the go five days a week traveling around the country. So I could not eat at home. And sometimes when I got home on the weekends, that's the last thing I wanted to do because I've been gone all week and I don't want to spend that time. And yet I was fine. I was finding healthy food. I was making good choices. I was not gaining weight. I, by all measurements, was doing just fine. So I wanted to do something to show people that they can just chill out and it's okay if they eat on the go sometimes, that they shouldn't feel bad about that because that's the message they hear from the diet and weight loss industry on a consistent basis. It's all based around healthy living being something that only happens in the kitchen and that doesn't really match up with the way we live our lives today. I mean, Americans right now, in 2016, the amount of money that we spend on food outside of the home surpassed the amount that we spend inside the home. Similarly, the FDA says a third of our calories come from outside of the home. So, and that's not because we're lazy. That's because modern, it's 2019. That's how we live our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to show people this. And I figured, all right, hey, maybe I'll spend a week eating at gas stations, and then I'll just write something about it online. But about five miles into the trip, I was like, you know what? Let's just take this a whole step further. I'm going to do this for an entire month, and I'm going to document everything. And it really just blew up from there. I decided to go on Reddit's weight loss section, uh, r slash lose it for anyone who's familiar with Reddit. Yeah. It's a massive online community, one of the best places uh, for people to get advice on how to get healthier and not just lose weight, but how to just transition to a, a different lifestyle. I, I've met a lot of great people on there and it's one of the best online communities I've ever seen. And I decided to live blog essentially the entire experiment on Reddit and then share everything through MyFitnessPal. And within days, it had completely blown up and it just took off from there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I gotta know, through your 30 days of gas station food experiment, what was your favorite thing outside of breakfast pizza from Casey's? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 was, what was your favorite thing that you had uh, while you were doing your experiment? You know, that's really hard to say. Um, a couple things really, really stood out. I, I mean, Visiting Sheets is always a pleasure. Um, their made-to-order program is phenomenal, and it's it's not it's, it's not just because of what they sell; it's because of how they allow you to customize it. 
one of the most frustrating things is, you know, we're at this time where we're so used to being in the driver's seat in the retail scene. Uh, I mean, I've had Amazon Prime since I was in college back in, like, I think I got it in 2005. Like, we're, we're, we're used to this personalized online experience, but then we go to a store and we don't have the ability to get what we want. We're just, it, it just doesn't work out the same way. But when you go to a sheet, I can customize every minute detail of anything I order on that MTO program. And so you get exactly what you want with tons of choices at every step. And, you know, having that control is really nice. And I, I really enjoyed going there and ordering food during the experiment. Um, another standout, uh, of course, was Quick Trip with a K, uh, uh, KT. I had a chance, of course, to visit some of their stores. And the amount of, of whole fruit and vegetables they're selling is beyond impressive. Um, if you can't find something healthy in that store, you are doing something wrong. <laughs> well, and a lot of a lot of retailers in the convenience world have moved to healthy produce as you know an option um, for folks, especially if they don't have a hot food program or to complement a hot food program. Yeah, and it's been great to see that. Um, at the same time, I feel like we're we're still in this kind of weird intermediary period where. Um, the playbook on this hasn't really been written, and one of the challenges is, you know, I was speaking at an event for Cormark, um, I think this was about a, about a year and a half ago, and this came up where, um, you know, a friend of mine at Cormark pointed out, he's like, I'm tired of hearing people say I put out bananas and nobody buys them, because his response is, well, the people who want to buy the bananas aren't coming in your store, they've been driving away, because you've never had anything for them. It's, you know, this stuff doesn't happen overnight, there is a desire for it, but it's not always as easy as if you build it, they will come. Um, you know, I, I spoke with a retailer recently who, for example, had a really developed food service program. And when I inquired about her communication strategy at the forecourt, I discovered that there was none. And again, this is a great retailer who's done amazing things, but they still, there was no indication that this uh, food service program in this restaurant was inside the store if you were at the pumps filling up with, with fuel. So it's, there's a lot of nuances to making this work, um, and I don't feel like the playbook's been written, but there's some really great best-in-class operators and also independent stores who are figuring some things out, and it's been exciting to see that. That's awesome. Um, this whole experiment has just been absolutely incredible, and I was um, listening to a lot of it whenever I got onto your Twitter page, and so um, it's just been super interesting, and I would highly encourage you, we'll put the link in there, um, to be able to go back in there and listen to another podcast that you were on whenever you were explaining it, uh, just because the entire, the entire experiment was just a really good way of just being that huge advocate that C-Store industry is not just your like you said, just a really bad like choices uh, when it comes to food or just healthy living, that there's a lot of different options out there for the future. No, and the thing that's fascinating about it, too, is I still, on a regular basis, will see articles on Google News just because I have a number of topics that I follow on there and, you know, check to see, check for updates. You'll see, uh, you know, health gurus or dietitians, they'll write these articles about how to stay healthy while traveling. And the amount of, of like, friction and steps they put into avoiding a convenience store uh -huh. is mind-blowing. Like, I, I've seen them giving these very complicated uh, ways to drive out, go to a grocer, do this, do that. Like, people don't got time for that. They're on a road trip. But exactly. it's because they have this, they've got this mindset that the actual act of eating at a convenience store in and of itself is bad for you. Mm -hmm. um, but what's been really interesting, though, is after I did this experiment, I had a lot of friends and family reach out, and I just get random text messages saying, hey, I'm 
at this store and I found bananas, or I'm at this store and you wouldn't believe the salad that I just had. And the funny thing is, in most cases, I'd say, you've been going to that store for like 15 years. You just notice this now? <laughs> yeah, so true. It, it's like we have the wrong operating system about how we um, navigate these stores, and or, or we're walking in with blinders. Um, just doing this experiment, I noticed for a lot of people, help them to maybe um, take off the blinders and look around the store with a fresh set of eyes, and they started noticing things that they hadn't been paying attention to. Because I think so many of us just have it beaten into our heads that when you go to these places, you make bad decisions. And let's be honest, sometimes you do want the slice of Casey's pizza because it is astonishingly good. <laughs> uh, and, you know, retailers like Come and Go, Come and Go's got some good pizza too. Um, it's surprising how absolutely fantastic it is actually. Uh, I'm very impressed with it. Sometimes that's just what you need. Uh, but when you do want something healthier or a little lower calorie, there are options, and um, this helps people to really realize that, and that was that was cool to see. Awesome. So, um, Frank, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about. So, what are your just what are your thoughts on the growth of the C uh, the C store food service growth versus just regular QSRs? You know, uh, C stores are in a really interesting position where they um, they obviously have more square footage. They are the clear winner on beverages and snacking. Uh, I mean, there's just no competition there. Um, but they're getting into food service a little, little later than the QSRs, obviously, and they're coming up against companies that have a lot of history, a lot of uh, tradition of thought leadership. Um, you know, these, these, these are strong competitors. Uh, you even look at McDonald's recently announcing that they're going to spend they're spending $6 billion on building the sort of store of the future and building a better experience around around uh, their their food, and they're doing a great job with it. Um, I remember what McDonald's was like when I was a kid, and it's a night and day difference today. They've, they've done a phenomenal job. So C-Stores are up against some really great best-in-class competitors, and they've got their work cut out for them. Uh, what's really tough, though, is a lot of C-Stores are getting into food service without having built the food service culture that's needed. Um, I don't know if you all have worked at restaurants in the past, but I have, and there's just certain things that like any waiter would know to do. You know, someone gets up and leaves, you wipe the table down ASAP. You know, that's just absolutely essential. You take the nozzles off the soda machines and soak them overnight. It's these little things that um, may not always be there when you're transitioning directly from a retail mindset, and that can lead to all sorts of issues until it's fixed. Um, example I've given is one of my favorite retailers, in fact, a few of them have had this problem where they've invested so heavily in state-of-the-art indoor seating that is just as good, if not way better, than some of the nearby QSRs and coffee shops. But when you visit the stores, you'll see they don't wipe their tables down when somebody leaves. That hardly takes any time to do. You just need a spray bottle and a rag hidden out of sight somewhere nearby. It takes like 30 seconds to hit a few tables. But they're not doing that, and the problem is someone's going to come in with a van full of their children and they're going to come in to use the restroom, see the new store and think, hey, this is cool, let's just get lunch here. But then they're going to go sit down and have a table full of crumbs and grease and other problems and it's just going to reinforce this perception they have about dirty gas stations yep. and they're not going to come back. And so you've just undermined your entire investment with something that could have taken 30 seconds to fix. Well, I mean, that's, that's a great point. I mean, um, you know, with with our programs that PFS Brands has out there, one of the things that you know we have is that we call a ChampX program for our Champs Chicken programs. We have it for our uh, Blue Taco brand as well, and it talks about you know six simple steps of execution in, in in a you know restaurant type environment. You know, and 
and trying to change the mindset of a, a gas station that sells food to more of a restaurant that sells gas. And and, and taking in those simple principles, like you mentioned, of, you know, always clean, you know, always making sure things are wiped down, you know, creating that, the, you mentioned the bathrooms earlier, making sure that they're clean, you know, so that everyone has a wonderful experience that is clean because clean is equated with health and safety and making sure that all those things are addressed so that people not only trust you, but feel comfortable and enjoy their time inside this investment that these operators have made. No, and you're absolutely right about that. I, I had a um, I had, had an event I went to speak at um, this past year, uh, sort of a uh, event focused around coffee and tea stores. And um, one of the first, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm going to be here with folks who've been in coffee for 30 years. I mean, I'm not going to come here and tell them about coffee trends. Instead, I built a presentation saying that if your stores aren't clean, and I shared a lot of data on this, but if your stores aren't clean, your coffee programs are never going to reach their their potential. Um, you know, one of the things that we see a lot in our data at GasBuddy is we're we're kind of in this really unique position where because we have actual location data on our users who have their location services turned on and allow us to do that, and we have uh, ratings that are submitted in the app on everything from cleanliness to the restrooms to the quality of the outdoor lighting, customer service, and so on, we can look for correlations between consumer visits and station ratings. And time and time again, we keep seeing the same thing, which is that a quality customer experience correlates very strongly with increased visits uh, compared to your below average competitors. Um, So we know that this already makes a difference right now. But it's just customers have high expectations today, and they have so many choices. Like, they don't have to go visit a dirty, boring, or unexceptional station. They just don't. Um, They have so many ways to get convenient access to the products they need. And the truth is, you know, convenience retailing uh, has, has never been more optional than it is today. So it's really incumbent upon operators to present that clean experience. And sometimes people will balk when they tell you this because they want to focus on more sort of higher level, more um, more nuanced strategies such as what flavors are trending regionally and things like that, I'm telling you it doesn't matter if your store is dirty. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's what you need to fix right now. Come back next week for part two of our interview with Frank Beard of Gas Buddy. Today's episode is brought to you by Champs Chicken. For deals, discounts, and updates, check out champschicken.com slash connect. Be sure to stop by next week for another episode of QSR Nation. And be sure to check us out online at pfsbrands.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>